You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Like I said, you're, you're stuck with me this morning, so we're just going to dive in. We're going to get to God's word. Can we pray just for a moment? Will you pray with me? Will you bow your head with me just for a moment to we pray? Father in heaven, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, it would speak to us. It would bring life to us. It would enthuse us. It would energize us. And it would give us hope. Lord, we pray we would leave here different after hearing your word than when we came in, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's the boss? Yeah, man, that's it. The ma- so did you say the man? No, Michael. Oh, M- Michael, okay, no, no. Who's the boss? People always seem to want to know, who's the boss? We even say, to, you ain't the boss of me, we say. You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of myself. Oh, are you really? I want to talk to you today about being the boss. Who's the boss? Who is the boss in your life? Let me ask you that question. Who's the boss in your life? The thing about a boss is this, and I'm sure you've experienced it, and I've experienced it. Um, well, I certainly have experienced it. If you work with a good boss, it can really make your life very pleasant, especially your work life. But if you work for a bad boss, and I've had a couple of those as well, it can really make your life hard. It depends the quality of your boss can very often determine the quality of your life. Now, even if it's at home and brothers, husbands, it is your wife who's the boss. Let's close in prayer on that. The quality of that boss will make your life good or bad. It's the same in any relationship when we decide because every relationship has some degree of uh, who is going to be the authority figure. Somebody has to make the last call and pretty well every relationship, every friendship, every marriage, every family, somebody normally has to make a final call. So I want to talk to you and ask you simply today, who is the boss of your life? And I want to point some things out. Last week I was looking at this, the subject of being under the influencer. Now in under the influencer, and this is a kind of a continuation of it, but it's on a different stream. In under the influencer, We looked at how some people from the book of Acts came under the influence of the Holy Spirit and then themselves became influential. We looked at Peter and John. We looked at Philip and we looked at Ananias and Agabus. All people who came under the influence of the Holy Spirit, as we could read it in the book of Acts, and they then became influential in the lives of others for God's purposes and for God's kingdom. It wasn't for their personal benefit, though sometimes they were also blessed as a result, but it was specifically for God's kingdom they became influential. And we looked at the idea that coming under the influence gives us the opportunity to influence others. And you know, everyone One of us is under the influence of something or someone. In actual fact, today, most people in our country are under the influence of the sun. So if I might prophesy into next week, here's pretty well every Irishman next week. Okay, that's what we're going to look like. We're going to be burnt raw because we never see the sun. So we strip down to our jocks and run around and get roasted alive. And that's what happens to Irish people. You see them in Spain or in Portugal. You see the Irish people walking around, not because they're white, but because they're red, raw, red, walking around the place. You see, the curious thing about this is that we're under the influence of the sun, but very often we don't realize it. We don't realize we're actually under the influence. So if you're fair-skinned like I am, that is light-skinned. I had red hair once upon a time. You mightn't believe it, but I did. And I'm very fair-skinned and I burn. If I go out in the sun for a while, it'll become very obvious very quickly. I'll be red raw before you know it. But here's here's the point I want to make is that every one of us is under the influence of something. 
It's not a question of if we will be under the influence of something. It's a question of what we will be under the influence of. Are you with me? It's like people who say, I don't worship. No, everyone worships. It's a question of what will you worship or who will you worship. It's the same with influence. We're all being influenced and we're all being influenced all of the time in various different ways. But the point that I want to get to here is this. When we come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we have influence under one of the most important people of all. And that is ourselves. We come under the influence of the Holy Spirit and we have influence over ourselves. We become, if you were, the boss of ourselves. And that is probably the most important aspect of the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's an American writer, his name is John Maxwell. He's a Christian, but he's written lots of books about leadership and structure and attitude. He's a brilliant writer and a very, very engaging speaker. I've heard him, I heard him once, but I've seen lots of his videos and read a few of his books. And he said something about leadership that I find really interesting. Here's what he said. He said, oops, I've gone too far. I've gone too far. He, this is what he said. He said, leadership is influence. Nothing more and nothing less. And one of the points that John C. Maxwell makes in lots of his books, and he's written a lot of books about leadership, is that the only person, um, you, you'll never lead anybody unless you are yourself under leadership. That is, unless you can lead yourself You can never lead anybody anywhere else. And unless we come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we'll never be of use to anyone outside. Are you with me? Unless we ourselves come under that influence, unless we ourselves come under that control, and unless we ourselves come under that leadership of the Holy Spirit, we won't actually be of use to anybody else outside of that. Here's what it says in uh, Acts chapter 1. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says something that sometimes we misassociate. I think it can be sometimes misassociate or not given its full parameters. Here's what he said. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. That's from the Lou Living version. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And we automatically, I do anyway, begin to associate with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you see, that actually wasn't entirely what it was that they received when they received that power. Yes, they did receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they also received the attitudes and the attributes of people who were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? It wasn't just for gifts and prophesying and speaking in tongues and having miracle working power, though that was absolutely, utterly essential to it. But there was also this other element that they would have power, as it were, over themselves. That they would have a power, an inward power, that would transform them as people. They would no longer be slaves to their hormones, to their culture, or what other people wanted from them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Last week I used this scripture talking about the influence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul draws what you might call a parallelism. A parallelism is where you draw two things or use two illustrations, put them alongside and use them to affect one another or to illustrate one another. Here's what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.18. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, is he just saying that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's just like drinking wine? In fact, it kind of is what he's saying. 
It actually is kind of what he's saying. I don't know whether it's an intentional parallelism or whether he's just doing an illustration, but then he spells it out. And he uses a very good example of wine and he compares it with the effects of the Holy Spirit. When we say wine, we mean alcohol. Like I said last week, you can't say, well, I drink vodka, so it's fine. And this is not an anti-alcohol thing, by the way, just in case you know. It's not an anti-alcohol. I'm just saying it's about the influences or the effects. So what happens when we drink wine or drink alcohol, is very similar to actually what happens to us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Strange things begin to happen. Your mind is very complex, right? And the way that your brain works is that it sends these complex signals around your brain using chemicals called neurotransmitters. What are they called? Fantastic. One of the most important neurotransmitters in our brain is a hormone or is a chemical called dopamine. Now, you might have heard of somebody that fell as high on dope. That is dopamine. That's what they're referring to, right? Now, dopamine is that feel-good feeling that we get when we do everything from, you know, have, have, have a drink, you get a feeling from it, or eat lots of chocolate, or, or, or go out with a girl that you love and you can fill in the blanks yourself, or especially if you're married to her and all that kind of stuff, or the feeling you get when you exercise. Like, when I go for exercise, at first I want to die, and afterwards I feel like I can overcome the world. It's because of the result of dopamine, the neurotransmitter in the brain. So what happens when you drink and what happens when you're affected by the Holy Spirit are very similar. Or what happens when you eat chocolate or what happens when you exercise. It's all the same process. But I want to use wine specifically in this one because the parallels with the filling with the Holy Spirit are so similar. Here's four things that happen when you drink. Now, I've, I wouldn't know this, of course, because I've never experienced it myself. So I've done some research so other people have told me what happens, okay? And if you believe that, I have a bridge I want to sell you just down here. Okay. So what happens when you drink? So what happens? You have your first drink, okay? You have the first, have the first pint of cider on a sunny day or have the first glass of wine over a meal. And the first thing that begins to happen to you is what happens to you in your mind. You begin to get this shot of dopamine in your mind. And this is what happens. The first thing is it begins to affect the way you feel. Immediately, you begin to feel a little bit better. You know, you begin to feel, yeah, that was good. I go for a run. Yeah, I feel a little bit good. I drink a bit of wine or I drink a beer. This is what happens to people. They drink it and they begin to feel good. Of course, the problem is they don't know when to put the handbrake on and they keep on going and keep on going because dopamine is a hungry little hormone. So it begins to affect the way that we feel. It's the same for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, the first thing it affects is it begins to affect the way that we feel. Paul says in Romans 14, uh, 14 verse 17, he says, God has given us a spirit of righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy being the feeling, being the expression, being the overflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first thing it affects is the way we feel. The next thing it affects is the way we think. The next thing, after getting that nice feeling, we begin to think things. And we begin to think sometimes sentimental thoughts, or we begin to feel, I mean, you know, some people are what they call angry drunks. They begin to get angry when they're full of drink, and everybody's like, are you looking at me? What are you looking at me for? And it's like, nobody's looking at you. You're okay, you're okay. Um, or somebody says, really sentimental. Do you know that? Do you know the guy that when you were growing up with who, who was really cold all the time, and he'd never have anything to do to you, and then he gets full of drink, and he says, I love you, bye. I swear I love you and he's hugging you he's going to you weirdo My, I, years ago I remember we, we, we had a neighbour who would come out and celebrate on New Year's Eve and of course they were up to the nines full of drinking the neighbours who wouldn't speak to you from one end of the year to the other leaning over the rail and saying I love you bye I love you you're such a wonderful neighbour you're going yeah until tomorrow 
It begins to affect the way that we think. We don't think straight. That's why you should never make a decision just after you've gone for, if if you've had a drink, don't make decisions. It's not wise. It's not wise to make decisions. Wait until you're sober. Paul said specifically, be sober-minded and alert for your enemy, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour. That's what he's looking to do. He's seeking to devour. Anyway, it begins to affect the way we think. The next thing it begins to affect, and this is literally the case, is it begins to affect the way we speak. Let me unthinking. Romans 12, chapter 2 says, do not, be conformed to trans- to the, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an effect of the Holy Spirit. It affects the way we feel. It affects the way we think. And then it begins to affect the way that we speak. Paul, in the very next verse, says, he says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making music in your heart to God. That's what he says. It begins, when the Holy Spirit's in your life, it begins to affect the way you speak. And you meet someone, and I, I walk into church on Sunday morning, and say, good morning, Pastor Tom. It's a beautiful morning. He says, yes, it is. It's a beautiful morning. Speak to one another. It begins to affect the way that you speak. Things You begin to say things that are good and positive and encouraging, and you stop saying things that are negative and, and not good. And the same for somebody who's had a few beers, it begins to speak. And they're not able to speak properly because what's happening is your central nervous system is being dumbed down by the dampening effect of alcohol on your brain. It's the same for the Holy Spirit. It causes us to begin to speak better, to communicate better, to be able to speak praise and encouragement and thanksgiving instead of regret or cursing. Would anyone say amen? And finally, it begins to affect the way you act or the way you move, if you will. Everybody knows what it's like when you see somebody who's completely under the influence of alcohol. They can't walk straight. They can't stand straight. They kind of smoke by sticking the cigarette into their eye. You know the routine. They cannot even move straight. That's what happens to people. They become discoordinated. That's why it's much more easy to fall over because the effect dampens your central nervous system, that's why it's called a depressor. It depresses the effects of your central nervous system so you're no longer able to coordinate and move properly. And that's why Paul is able to write about the way that the Holy Spirit, he talks about walking in the Holy Spirit. When we walk in the Holy Spirit, we walk correctly. We walk uprightly. We walk in connection with God. We walk in the way that God intended us to walk. So are you with me on that one? I wanted to just unpack that one. It's very important. And the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. It affects the way we feel. It affects the way we think. It affects the way we speak and it affects the way that we act or the way that we move. Let me move. So the question comes back to this. Who is the boss and what's the effect of the boss? So the question is, are you going to let yourself be? So if you look at the New Testament, it's spelled out very simply. Two things are in competition. Your old sinful self or your new, renewed, born again self in Jesus Christ. You have a new spirit and a new life in you. Paul said if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And, the, and he's basically just saying that these two things are alive and at work in us both and we can have to make a, choi- a choice between which one is going to control us or which one is going to be the boss of our lives. And you know the effects that poor out. Here's what he he writes, he said, if your sinful old self is the boss over your mind, it leads to death. But if the Holy Spirit is the boss over your mind, it leads to life and leads to peace. Hallelujah. 
So it leads to death if the old way rules over your mind. And then he spells it out a little bit further. Here's what he says. He says this. He says, so I tell you, live by following the Spirit. And then you will not do what your sinful selves want to do. And he says this. Our sinful selves want what is against the spirit and the spirit wants what is against the sinful selves. You see, it's not only that we would experience life in peace, but also there's something else going on. He says that our sinful selves, are they're, they're up against each other. They're in a battle against each other. So your old self wants to do one thing. Your new self wants to do something else. Have you ever noticed that when you want to do something good, there's a million reasons for not doing it? Have you ever noticed that when you go into pray, you go into pray, and if you get on your knees, I get on my knees, I don't get on my knees all the time, I normally stand or I kneel, that's how, that's how I pray. You go into pray, and the minute you sit there, you need to pray, something crosses your mind. That pull wants to pull you away. Even Jesus said to himself when he was in Gethsemane, remember he asked the disciples, stay with me and pray for a little while, but what did they do? They fell asleep. I knew a Christian man once who told me he'd call it spirit sleep. He fell asleep and he was praying. He said, no, it's the Holy Spirit making me fall asleep. I needed the rest. I thought, eh, that's a great attitude. But the two of them are at each other. And that conflict is going on within you. And that conflict, if it's going on within you, is going to become visible outside. Here he goes on to say this. I want to plow through this. But he says, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature. This is from the amplified version of the Bible, by the way, in case you're wondering about all the brackets. Which responds impulsively and without regard to God, for God and his precepts. I love this. Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. And it's the same with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the same with being filled with wine. That once, it be, once you continue to do this practice. It becomes habitual. You eventually habitually begin to get. A funny thinking or good thinking. Funny feelings or good feelings. Funny words are good words. Awkward movements are good movements. It becomes a habit in your life. And we're building holy habits as it were. Habits that build up our lives instead of tearing them down. That's what we're doing when we're giving way to the Holy Spirit as boss in our lives instead of giving away to the sinful old self in our lives. And the sinful old self always responds impulsively. It is the impulse that drives it. It is driven by the immediate desire of the no. That's what will always drive it. It's always about getting revenge, getting your way back, filling yourself up, whatever it's about. You know you can fill in your own blanks, but it's always impulsive and reactive. That is not the life that God wants for us. That is not the purpose or the plan that God wants for us. He wants us to experience life and peace in the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say this. Let me look at the war inside basically. So he, he, here's what he says. He says, if we claim, again this is from the, um, the Amplified Version. This is what he says in Galatians chapter 5. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. With personal integrity, godly character and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited, challenging or provoking one another or envying one another. You see, because when we have that war inside, it becomes the war outside. When we're at war inside ourselves, we're going to be at war outside ourselves. When our human, selfish, 
ourselves, our, the boss in our lives, we're going to be in conflict with other people because it'll be my way or the highway. We find ourselves in competition with other people instead of in support of them. You can even find it between a husband and a wife, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, fellow, fellow workers, even friends. You can see it when the sinful self is driving, when our own personal impulses and desires are driving us, it results in competition and it results in conflict. Not the attitudes, not the, not the attitudes of the Holy Spirit, not the approach that the Holy Spirit would want us to have, but it results in conflict. And sometimes when we look in our lives and we see conflict in our lives, if you go back to the root of it, it's very often somebody wants their way or the highway. Somebody wants to be the boss. Sometimes and very often it is ourselves who wants to be the boss and we find ourselves in competition with one another. If you find yourself in conflict today, look into your life and see what is driving that conflict. Because most external conflicts come from internal conflicts. Are you with me so far? Okay, so Paul writes, let me sum it up this way. Wine makes you weak and the spirit makes you strong. You with me? Wine makes you weak, the spirit makes you strong. Some things we do, they make us weaker. Some things we do, they make us stronger. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes us stronger. I love what Paul writes. I'm sticking again with the Amplified Version for this. It's a verse that you're probably very familiar with, if you're familiar with the Bible at all. Paul is writing to his young disciple Timothy and he's encouraging him and he's encouraging him telling him look don't, don't, don't be afraid Timothy have courage stir up the Holy Spirit stir up the gift that's within you and then he says this he says for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear would anyone say amen he didn't give us a spirit of cowardice or timidity or fear but he has given us a spirit of power power amen of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Oh, we love personal discipline, don't we? Hallelujah. I just love self-discipline. It just makes me so happy. It will if you let it into your life. Would anyone say amen? It will. It really will. He goes on to say these are abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. And self-control. He, in, in, the, in the NIV translation, the NLT translation says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of self-control. To control the self is the thing that we need to be under the influence of most. It is the thing that God gives us his Holy Spirit to control the most. Because the war within becomes the war outside. The influence within becomes the influence outside. Are you with me? If we're influenced by our negatives, we'll become a negative influence. If we're influenced by the spirit, we'll become a positive influence in the lives of people around us. That is the spirit that God gives to his people. Power, love, sound judgment, and personal discipline. Hallelujah. Do you know what? I feel like I could close in prayer. You probably want me to too. I feel like I could close in prayer right there. Lord, help me this week to walk in the spirit of self-discipline. Who would pray that prayer if we were going to close in prayer? Because we're not yet like. See? We, want, you see, we, we think, you know what? If it, you, it doesn't feel nice. And somebody, oh, well, you need a bit of discipline. No, I need some time by the beach. I need quality me time. I need a spa day. I need cucumbers on my eyes and a mud bath or something like that. I need to be under the UV rays in a sunbed. Don't do that, whatever you do. Um, I, need to, I need some me time. 
No, 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 no. Some self-discipline will be wonderful. That will actually serve you and serve those around you much more and give you a life of meaning. Amen. I won't close in prayer because I want to quote Lecrae. Now, Lecrae is like the coolest Christian on planet Earth, right? He's a rapper. Lecrae, I mean, look at him. I mean, doesn't he look cool? It's like, it's like Emmanuel down there. It's like, like, it's like just, it's like, the guy just walks around and any water around him turns to frost. He's so cool. Like, you really are Emmanuel. But Lecrae, Lecrae said this. I really like what Lecrae said. Lecrae said, freedom in Christ allows you to control the desires that once controlled you. Paul says, were you a liar? He said, stop telling lies. Start telling the truth. Were you lazy? Work with your hands so that you'll have something to give. Bless those who curse you, Jesus said. Don't curse them back because that's our instinctive nature. He says, freedom in Christ allows you to control the desires that once controlled you. Hallelujah. Because the thing is, we do have desires and they do control us. But having freedom in Christ, having the Holy Spirit alive in our life means we do not have to give way to them. Now, I know all of you know this, and you're saying, why is Michael banging on about it? I'm banging on about it because of this. We all, I think, if we know Jesus, want to be used in his kingdom. If you're a Christian and you want to be used in God's kingdom, would you just raise your hand for a moment? If you don't, that's all right, fair enough. But put your hand up, okay? So, we all want to be used in God's kingdom. But the only way we'll be able to tame the world and advance the kingdom is if the kingdom is in us. If it's at work in us, when God's rule is happening in us, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in us. That's what I always pray. Let it be done in us. Because if it's being done in us, it's naturally going to flow out to the outside. I was saying it recently. What's on the inside comes out. Jesus said, what is in a man comes out of him. What's in a person comes out of the person. Anyway, let's talk about things that could be in us. I love it, you know. We all know what it's like. Well, I hope you will. Maybe you do know. Maybe you don't know. I hope you don't. Maybe you're raised in a Christian home and you've always had a Christian life and you've never known what it's like to know what anger and fighting and outbursts of rage and jealousy and hatred and quarreling and arguments and negative atmospheres. I hope you've never experienced any of those things. If you are, would you please pray for me afterwards? I'd really appreciate it. I hope you've never experienced those things. And Paul lists them out when he's writing to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5. But I don't want to glorify those. I want to glorify his alternative. Because he said something else. He said this. He said, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It produces this kind of, if the Holy Spirit's in our lives, this is what will be produced. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hallelujah. There's no law against these things. This, this verse is so good, they even made a song about it. You know the one? Come on. A banana is not a fruit of the Spirit. No, a banana is not a fruit of the Spirit. If you want to be a banana, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. That fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now we're going to sing it together. (laughs) Think about it for a minute. Think about it for a minute. If the fruit of the Holy Spirit was blossoming and blooming and growing in your life, what kind of a life could you possibly have? Can you imagine the effect on your marriage? I go for marriage because I'm a married man. Can you imagine the effect 
it would have in my marriage if my wife had love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you imagine how good my marriage would be? Seriously. No, I'm talking about myself. Can you imagine how good it would be if we both exercised love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? I feel like doing what they did at the kids' church week, where they put up a verse and then they removed a couple of words and people had to quote the verse afterwards. Um, Imagine what that would be like. Can you imagine what your home would be like and your relationships with your friends would be? Can you imagine what it would be like to experience real joy? Not gloom, not pessimism, not negativity, not resentment, but real, real joy in our lives. Hallelujah. You know, Christians are supposed to be the most joyous people on planet Earth. That's who we're supposed to be. Why? The happiest people on planet Earth? Because... God has done such a work in our lives. Hallelujah. What about peace? What would it be like to live in peace with your workers, with your, with your family, with your friends, in other relationships you have? Just peace at work in our lives. Peace inside that pushes away stress and worry and anxiety. Would anyone say amen? And pushes away arguing and fighting and so on and so forth and the rest of it outside of our lives. But we actually live in peace with others and peace with ourselves and peace with God. Hallelujah. That's what I want. Do you want that? Because that's what I want. I want to walk in that kind of peace. What about an old bit of patience? Wouldn't it be good to have patience? Wouldn't it be good to say, Lord, I'm willing to wait for your best to come in my life? Because so many people have ruined their lives with impatience. There's a famous proverb. It says this, one moment of patience may ward off great disaster. And one moment of impatience can ruin a whole life. Patience. How do you get patience? One Bible teacher was once told, and he was told, you have to wait. That's how you get patience. About kindness. Everyone remembers kindness. I remember people who were kind to me. I remember people who were unkind to me. Strangely, I can probably remember them even more. But I remember people who were kind to me. People never forget kindness. Brother, do you know, I see the, do you know, what, do you know what annoys me? I see this sticker on the back of cars all the time. It says, commit random acts of kindness. It drives me nuts. Don't commit random rack, random racks. It started off the day very well. Don't commit random acts of kindness. Commit deliberate acts of kindness. Intentional acts of kindness. And do you know where they should start? Inside in your own home. And when they start inside in your own home, do you know what you do the next place? You should do acts of kindness in your church, amongst the family of God. Amen? And then afterwards, by all means, knock yourself out with kindness. All you want, but people never forget a little bit of kindness brought into their lives. I'm not going to overdo it. I'm not going to go for all of them. But let me just say this one about doing good. Goodness. What does goodness mean? It just means doing good. Doing something that's good. We think goodness is some kind of spiritual thing. We think it's all kind of spiritual, sentimental things. They're not. It just means doing good. The, fer- the, the, the famous uh, Catholic monk, St. John of God, said this. He said, do good to yourselves, brothers, by doing good to others. Because doing good feels good. It's that simple. Doing good feels good. Faithfulness, fill in the blanks. And of course, then there is self-control. Every one of our favorites is self-control. Imagine what it would be like to live without the impulses that drive us, the impulses that can ruin relationships, impulses that can can ruin marriages. Imagine that you're no longer a slave to your hormones, to your chemistry, to your glands, or to your culture. But you have self-control, and God has given you the power to control even your own desires for your blessing and for the blessing of others. Who wants self-control?
I do. I want self-control. Let me just finish up by saying this. Maybe the band will come up. The guys are going to come up. We're going to play a song and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray very briefly. And I hope I haven't gone on too long. I hope I haven't banged on too much. I hope you get the message. Who's the boss? Who is in control? Who is the influencer in your life? If it is the Holy Spirit who is the influencer in your life, the one that you will have the most influence over is yourself. Here's, I reiterate, but at the end of the day, we have to make a choice. The person who puts themselves on under the influence of others, under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of culture, under the influence of bad people or good people, has to make a choice. We make a choice. And Paul spells out the choice very, very clearly. This is what he says. He says, letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death. It'll lead to death if you let the sinful nature control your mind. But then he says, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And it is that life and peace I want to pray about this morning. Do you know why? Because it's life for you and life for those around you when you are under that Holy Spirit influence. It is life for those around you too. It is peace for you and it is peace for those who are around you too when you're under the influence of that same Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray and we're going to sing. Hallelujah. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a little bit of my lighthouse. You are, my, you are the peace in my troubled sea is the verse we're going to go for. We're going to sing and then we're going to pray. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. You won't let go In the questions Your truth will hold My God's love Will lead me through You are the peace In my troubled sea You are the peace In my troubled sea In my lighthouse My lighthouse You're shining that you're in a conflict and you're struggling and you know that there's a battle for who's going to be in control of your soul this morning and you want to pray this morning and say Lord I want to say I'm going to follow you I'm going to follow you Lord I'm going to follow the leading of your Holy Spirit I'm going to follow the empowerment of your Holy Spirit and I want to know your life and your peace breaking out in my life if that's your prayer this morning would you raise your hand would you raise your hand if that's your prayer this morning I'm going to invite you just to come to the front and we're going to pray briefly before we close. The guys are going to play again and we're going to pray that it would be life and peace to you and that you would be a carrier of life and peace to others around you. Let's sing and let's pray. John, let's make our way. Can we pray together? You're my lighthouse. You're my lighthouse. 
sisters today Lord they realize that they're right now in a conflict in which they know they want you to win would anyone say amen Lord we declare today that you will be the victor in their situation you will be the one who is triumphant in their situation by standing here today they are saying they are praying they are saying I will follow you Lord, let the power of your Holy Spirit rest upon them right now, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, Lord, as they face the battle, as they face the fight in the week ahead, Lord, that your power and your presence, Lord, would rest upon each and every one of them, Lord. That they will all know, Lord, the influence of the Holy Spirit at work in them for their good and for the good of others, we pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray. That as a result of your influence on them, they would know life and peace bubbling up within them. Lord, they would know a new and refreshing life at work in them, Lord. They would have a deep peace within themselves and a peace for those around them, Lord Jesus. We pray this week that they would be ambassadors for your kingdom this week, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would clarify any confusion. Speak your truth. Speak your word. Speak your power. Speak your life into my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people said, Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. While you're here praying, can I ask you, would you raise your hands to heaven as we close this morning? As we close this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is here. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is here. Lord, we pray as we go from here today, Lord, that we would do so every step guided by your Holy Spirit into this coming week, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would walk in your spirit and we would not satisfy the evil, selfish desires that seek to ruin us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we go into this week, we would be sober-minded and alert, knowing that our enemy, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking to devour us, Lord Jesus. I pray this week that we would all know your peace and know your life at work in us. Would anyone say amen? 
I pray, Lord, not only will we know that work in us, Lord, but we would be ambassadors, bringing your life and bringing your peace in our conversations, in our workplaces, in our families, in our marriages, and in our relationships. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have his way this week. We pray in Jesus' mighty name and God's people said a final. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We are serving tea and coffee downstairs in the Courtyard Cafe. God bless you and go with you. We'll see you again next Sunday morning. We begin again at 11.30. Thank you, John.